Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. This is a sacred time for Jews, Muslims, and Christians. We have entered the month of Nisan, the month of Passover. The Muslim community is observing the sacred month of Ramadan, and Christians around the world are preparing for the celebration of Easter. Each of our communities is engaged in spiritual activity and spiritual thoughts at critical times on their calendar year. I wish that each individual from these communities finds meaning in the holidays and that we also find some meaning in the fact that others in other communities are observing these sacred times and that combined together on a spiritual level, we can all work together to bring the world to a better place. Before I begin the subject of today's episode, I want to express my condolences to the families of those who were bereaved after the terrible terrorist attacks in Israel over the past few weeks. Our prayers for healing for those who have been wounded and our hopes for safety and security of all of the people of Israel and for peace throughout the region I hope that this sacred time brings more attempts at reconciliation between Israeli Jews and Palestinians, and that somehow this crisis that often leads to a cycle of violence can in fact be stopped. Our thoughts are with everyone in Israel and throughout the region. Now we'll turn to the Seder. And we'll turn to one of the favorite moments of the Seder for many people, the singing of Chad Gad Yah. Chad Gad Yah de Zabin Abba Bitrezuze, one kid that my father bought for two Zuzim. Ostensibly, it's a children's song. The perhaps Jewish equivalent of There Was an Old Lady Who Swallowed a Fly, as each of the elements in the song prays on the one before it. So, for example, we start with the idea of one kid. The cat devours the kid. The dog bites the cat. The stick hits the dog, etc., etc. Until we end up with God overpowering the Malach HaMavet, the angel of death, which had come to slaughter the slaughterer who had slaughtered the ox. It sounds like it's just a children's song, and we usually sing it with a lot of happiness and, and trying to get the verses which get progressively longer and progressively more difficult since it's in Aramaic. We try to say them all perhaps in one breath at the end of a long night of study, celebration, and feasting. But there's, there's a core to this song that has been interpreted in different ways, but the prevalent interpretation seems to be that the goat, the kid, represents Israel, the Jewish people, who have been subject to persecution by so many throughout the years, but that persec those persecutors were then subject to uh, conquest by other empires, by other powers. And eventually we pray that God will come and bring the Messianic era to end this situation in which not only Jews, but all people seem to be subject to the persecution and the dreams of conquest of others. With Adir Hu, which I talked about last week, I suggested a change in the language 
that could take it away from the idea of rebuilding the temple and speak more about redemption of the world in a general sense. Chad Gadya is fascinating in that it has really produced a, just a huge number of what you might call spin-offs or takeoffs or or in some senses satires in a very positive sense of the song. Perhaps because the song is so intense, many people have used the words, the basic premise of Chad Gadja, and taken it in a completely different direction to either alert us to issues that we should be thinking about or to respond to events that are taking place in the world at the time. And I'd like to share with you four such examples of Chad Gadya and how it's been interpreted by four different uh, individuals or, or pairs of individuals in a way to reflect issues specifically facing the land and the state of Israel. Even though it's about Israel, they certainly are relevant to all of us as human beings and certainly to all of us as Jews. And I want to begin, the first one is a version of Chad Gadya, not a really a version, but a, a takeoff, so to speak, on Chad Gadya, written by Levin Kipnis in Yedidya Amon in 1945. And in this particular poem, which is now has a melody attached to it, the authors, the writers, speak about one individual shepherd on a tell, on a hill in Israel, who has one goat. Chad Gadja, Gediachad in the Hebrew, Chad Gadja in the Aramaic. And suddenly, all of the other elements that are mentioned in the song, the animals and the objects, approach the shepherd hoping to share the tell. And the shepherd invites them, each to bring what they can bring, the dog to keep watch, the ox to plow the ground, the water to nourish the ground, the fire to in fact warm and to, and to cook the food. And all of the elements are mentioned. And the point of the story is there's room for everyone on this tell and everyone to live together in safety. Song was written, the poem was written in 1945, following the war, following the Holocaust, with the idea that it was a way of saying to people, come to Jews, come and live with us on this tell, this holy hill, the sacred hill, namely the land of Israel. And the idea was that by, by inviting so many people, there would be the sense of there in fact being a haven where it would be safe to live together in this way. So instead of these objects and animals being at odds with each other, they're living peacefully with each other. In 1971, Leah Naor and Nurit Hirsch wrote another version of Chad Gadya, this time for children. And this time, the goat, the kid in the story, is again confronted by these other elements within the story. And I'll just give you one line of it in the Hebrew. That the goat recognized the danger that the cat represented and in fact swallowed up the cat. And in, in a particular, in, in, as the song goes along, each of the elements of the story that were dangerous are conquered by this kid. Think about the time 
that the song was written. Following the Six-Day War, following Israel's sense that it could stand up to any enemy, and if you if you look at the last line, it says, "Nashach Gedi Amalach Hamavet Uvda Shehuchai Ad Hayom Gedi Katan B'Shnayim Zuzim Hu Nishar B'Chayim." That the proof that the Gedi, the kid, is stronger than even the angel of death, according to the story, is the fact that the goat is still alive, clearly referring to the fact that Israel has this sense at this time that it could defeat any enemy and that it could stay alive against all of the opposition. Again, put it in the context of the time and realize what the statement it made. Is it, is it perhaps too arrogant? That's up to you to decide, but it's an expression of the strength of the, of the state of Israel by taking the song and changing it around completely. So that instead of the elements being a danger, they were conquered by, in fact, this kid. The third one I want to point out is perhaps the most famous version of Chad Gajah outside of the Haggadah. And I urge you to go to YouTube and look at Chad Gajah by Chava Alberstein, which was produced in 1990. It is truly an amazing piece, Con extremely controversial, in many ways, it was blacklisted, so to speak, although it still is heard, I understand, at times on the radio in Israel, in various situations. And people in certain circles, particularly, are very, are very are compelled to sing it. In this version of Chad Gajah, which begins with the entire song, sung it, it, with some changes, in a very intense, and in, to some extent, a kind of a violent, Tune. We usually sing Chad Gajah in this little Chad Gajah, Chad Gajah. Alberstein does not sing it in that term. There's a lot of power in it. There's a lot of sound in the background, a lot of crashing noises. And then <clears throat> she finishes with, with, a, um, with an additional sentence. Uma pitom achara Chad Gajah. Why are you suddenly singing Chad Gajah now when according to the time the song was released, the spring hadn't come yet and Pesach wasn't, wasn't arriving. What's changed to you? Why do you have to sing it this way? And she says, I have changed this year. And she says, On all the other nights, I always asked only four questions at the Seder. But tonight, I have another question. How long will the cycle of violence and hatred continue? Rodefir Nerdaf, the one who chases and the one who is chased. The one who is umuka, the one who hits and the one who is hit. When will this slaughter end? And then she talks about the fact that she doesn't know, personifying the state of Israel, what, is, what the state of Israel is. Is it a dove? Is it a lamb? Or is it a lion? Is it in fact a wolf? And she asked these questions and they, they hang out there for people to consider. This song came about at the time of the Intifada, the first Intifada in 1990. And in fact, it was an incredibly difficult, difficult uh, song for people to hear because, not, because it spoke of this cycle of violence and question 
how what how Israel's reaction to it might have in, continued and amplified this violence. Again, you ha can have your own political thoughts on it one way or the other, but whatever you think, it is worth a listen to because it is really an incredible way that the song which we sing all the time, you suddenly say, wait a minute, why should I be singing a song at the Seder about the cycle of violence? And why shouldn't we, we sing a song that's more placid and more calm now that we're free and we haven't finished the Seder and we're hoping for a world of freedom and of peace? And that perhaps is best summarized in the last one I want to share with you by Naomi Shemer, a poem called Gedi Echad. Again, Chad Gaja in the Aramaic, Gedi Echad in the Hebrew, one kid. And she talks about the one kid that her father bought like he did every Erev Chag, every holiday, every holiday of every evening of Pesach. And it sat, she said, tied up in the middle of the city. Listen to what she writes. Shum chatul lo pagabo. A cat didn't wound it. Shum kelev lo nashach. A dog didn't bite it. Hamakel shabakabo, the, the stick, which in the song is a stick which hits the dog. Haya anaf yarok varach was a thin and, and smooth and twig with, with green on it. Gam there was water and there was fire around, but it didn't bother it. It was peaceful. And this is the line I like the best. An ox with beautiful horns was its dearest and closest friend. The, the slaughterer didn't come to slaughter it. The, the uh, angel of death did not arrive. It was a very special lamb, a special ram, a special goat. And it was so beautiful. And then she says, May it be God's will, or may it be the will. She doesn't mention God, but that seems to be the, the implication. That its merit will shield all of us, will protect all of us. That all of us will be protected by this one image of a goat which lived in peace, and in, and in calm and in serenity with all of the animals and all of the objects around it. Quite a hope, quite a hope to end the Seder with. So that's a little bit about Chad Gajah. Think about it. What kind of memories does the song elicit with you and what kind of feelings? What kind of thoughts do you have when confronted with this particular song? And think about these four different versions and if you'd like copies of them, just send me an email and I'll, I'll be, or a message on, on Facebook. I'll be glad to, to send them to you. Uh, I found them in a, in, a, in a collection for the Seder. There are others as well. Listen to Chava Alberstein, which, is, which you can find on YouTube, because truly, whatever your political feelings, whatever you think about it, is truly an amazing production, an amazing composition. And think about what are the lessons we want to learn from Chad Gajah and from the Seder in general. Until next time, thank you.